Well, welcome everyone. Uh, it's a great privilege for me to join you on this Sunday morning. Uh, joining you from the office um, while you are all gathering in your homes. And yeah, I, I, I hope you are gathering in, in groups and stuff. And uh, I know that God is going to do something amazing this morning. Uh, so if you, if you permit me to just start off, what I'd like to do is to do a bit of a a summary of what we've been looking at uh, in our series, Reality Check. Uh, Reality Check has really been looking at the book of Colossians. And the best way for me I can describe the book is, have you ever watched a TV program or TV series that you've really got into? And there's a main character that keeps the whole story together that is really the life of the party in the show. And what happens invariably after a while with the show is the lead character does such a great job that they get an offer from, from somewhere else and they leave the show. And then the show is just not the same again. You watch it, the plot's similar, the characters are the same, but it just doesn't have the same impact. And that's exactly what Jesus is like with our Christianity. If Jesus is not at the center, it's just not the same faith. And that's what the book of Colossians is about. Whenever we move Jesus away from the center, we, we can't have a knowledge of God without Christ being the center of that, that we should actually think like Christ, set our minds on things above, that everything that removes Christ from the center is a false reality. And also, of course, walking in Christ and following his example. And that's where I really want to pick up this morning is following Christ and looking at his example, because we are called to be like Christ. And you might not realize it, uh, you might not realize it, but your life as a Christian and us together as a church, our lives are meant to be a continuation of the ministry of Jesus by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He has entrusted this ministry to us. And as a church, we, we have to look at the life of Jesus in Scripture and through the leading and illumination of the Holy Spirit, and see the example that He set for us. I think this idea of being as a church and working as a church together to faithfully continue this mission clashes with the culture we see in the world. Why does it clash? Well, our culture is very much an individualistic culture, which is about progressing and having the best life possible. ...to us by our King by our Lord Jesus, and the fact that our lives should follow in this mission. It kind of, the way I can best illustrate this is I was watching a, a rugby game on Friday night, and, and Andre knows how I love to give the bulls a bit of grief, so I, I can do it again in this example. But on Friday night, I was watching a game between the Sharks and the Bulls, and literally the Sharks were walking away with the game. They were about twice as many points as the Bulls. Um, and what, what happened is, is the Bulls were just getting frustrated, nothing was happening, and one of the Bulls players sort of grabbed one of the Sharks, and there was a bit of argy-bargy, and the, um, to say it nicely, and the, the ref quipped, what he said is he basically said, well, if you can't win the game, win the battle, and that kind of, you know, when I was meditating on that and meditating on the sermon, you know, I, I suddenly kind of thought, you know, isn't that like a faith sometimes where we just fight for ourselves to have a better life and to survive the storms of life? It's great if we, we do that, we win a battle, but we don't actually win the game. Well, what is the game? The game is outside reality. 
is the world that we see. We want our faith, apart from just getting us through the storms of life, we want our faith to impact the world we're in. We want it to change and transform the world. And that's really what it's all about. So the title of my message this morning is Outside Reality. Footsteps to transform the outside reality, the world of which we are part. So I'm going to start reading from Colossians uh, chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And if you have your Bibles, you, it'll also be up on screen. You can follow with us. Um, but I just want to pray for us before, um, before we now reveal stuff to each one of us. And I think continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of person. So here's how we can change the world. And what is presented to us is three in world. And I believe that each, and that's where the awesome dunamis power is that really changed fastly in prayer. The amazing thing about prayer is that it, it doesn't just change the world, but it changes us as we pray. I think, you know, what, what he also talks about is, is that we should be watchful in prayer. Now, when you're watchful, we were also speaking about it this morning in prayer. We need to be awake, fall asleep, to forget the spiritual reality. What is at stake? A awake and alert, justly in prayer. It doesn't mean every single moment has to be in prayer, but it's about a lifestyle of prayer, that we understand that God needs to go before us with everything that we do, and that is going to change our world. Now, being watchful in it means that we are looking for God to do something. I sometimes think we're hardline people, and He's done it so easily because He is the creator of the universe. And on the other side, I think sometimes it's a doctrinal issue. We, we just think God's going to do what He does anyway, so it doesn't make a difference if we pray. To pray continually. He tells a story about annoying a judge and waking up someone that is sleeping through constant persistence, and that is how we ought to pray but also to pray with an expectation that God is going to do something amazing. And also what it says is to pray with thanksgiving. And that means we celebrate God when answers to prayer come through. And when they don't, we know that God has a very good reason for not doing it. And we need to trust in the goodness of God when we don't even see answers to prayer. You might ask, well, how do I know? Do I keep on pushing into prayer for a long time? Um, or, or, or do I just accept it that it's God's will? And it's a difficult thing sometimes, and we don't actually know, but Jesus instructed us to continue to pray, to lay hold of things until they change, and that if God didn't answer it, there would be, you know, an amazing reason for that. What's amazing is Paul says, just after a little bit, he says, you know, pray for us also that God would open doors for us, and that I would speak the message as I ought to, which is, you know, will make it clear as is what I should do. And, you know, the amazing thing about prayer is that God does stuff through it that we can never do ourselves. And I remember getting hit like by a truck when, um, when I was reading one time this something through studies. And, and this guy was basically saying the reason the church doesn't pray a lot of the time is because they don't need God to intervene. If ever there was a time, my friends, when we need God to intervene, 
with the pressures that the world is facing, with the COVID uh, pandemic, with problems with corruption, with people struggling and, and looking for answers, now is when we need God's hand. And he's given us an open invitation to say, Our Father, and then to pray and ask for his assistance, ask for his intervention. So let's do that. The next thing I wanted to look at is, is looking at our actions. This is the second thing he talks about. He talks about walking in wisdom. Now, if you remember earlier on in the letter, in, in, in Colossians 1 verse 9 to 10, he actually prays for the church and he says, I pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, and bearing fruit in every good work. We see when he says now walk in wisdom, is in a, in a way it's a kind of answer to his prayer. What does it mean to walk in wisdom, to walk outside, you know, towards outsiders? Well, I believe, you know, if we look at 1.9, it says that walking in wisdom comes with an understanding of who we are in God and an understanding of what we're called to do, a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. One of the most debilitating things I see in Christians' lives is where people don't see themselves as God has made them to be once they've received Christ. When you receive Christ, you become a new creation, a child of God, part of a royal priesthood. His spirit dwells within you. The awesome power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, lives within you. You are called for a plan and a purpose and to transform this world. And it doesn't matter, you know, how you're made up or, or, or what your personality is like. It's about God's power. And this is what we're called to do. And understanding that call is the first key to walking in wisdom. The second part about it, uh, Paul says, make the most of the time. And uh, one of the commentators, uh, uh, N.T. Wright, describes this as being almost to snap up a good bargain. So what is he talking about now? Not shopping, I, I believe, but it's a spiritual making use of every opportunity. So with our wisdom, we want to show Jesus with every possible opportunity. Um, and here I want to introduce a little puzzle that Jesus gives to us in Luke 16 uh, for, for, you know, a little, little teaching puzzle that's quite fun to work out. He tells a story about a shrewd manager who, who basically... Is, is dodgy in his work, he does dodgy stuff, and he's about to get fired. And what he does is he actually is more dodgy, and he, he offers favors to the people that his, his manager owes money to, and to buy favor with them. And of course, Jesus commends him for his craftiness or his wisdom at, at the end of it. And, and, and I get, when I read this, I get so offended because it's like a guy's been dodgy, he's now more dodgy, and Jesus is actually commending him. But the point which Jesus is making is this guy is using every possible resource at his, disposable, at his disposal to achieve a certain goal because he understands what's important. In the same way, do we feel that way about representing Christ with our actions, representing the integrity and the love of Christ with our actions? Do we make the most of every opportunity? The way we see something, we go, wow, this, this is an amazing chance to snap up this opportunity to show what God is like and to show how loving God is and to show what kind of integrity and holiness God has. 
And that's what I believe this is about. And, you know, that's what it's about is, is showing that love and demonstrating who God is to the outside world with our actions. And there's something powerful. I mean, obviously, we're going to move to words, but there's something powerful about a lifestyle that is marked by love that people can't argue with. And it gives such an authenticity, such a strength to our words. So I want to move on to the last ingredient now, which, of course, as I mentioned, is our words, where Paul tells us that our words need to be grace-filled or filled with grace, and also that they need to be seasoned with salt. What is he speaking about here? Well, I think he's, grace refers to love and forgiveness. We see model, this modeled in Jesus' life. When everyone else wanted to condemn people and say, look, you'll never change, you're like this, Jesus came into situations, spoke to people who were ostracized, lifted people up who everyone else had rejected. He told them about the love of God. He told them about the plan that God has for their lives and the amazing gifts he has like rivers of living water. But he also brought in salt, which was about telling people spiritual truths. Because honestly, you know, he brought in truths to show people that they were trapped by their sin that they were in a space that where they needed a savior to reconcile them with God. And it even says that Jesus is a person, he, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So do our words introduce Jesus Christ to people by using grace and salt? That is what we're, we're looking for. And the thing is, I was thinking about this, do we suddenly start, okay, these particular um, you know, okay, now we, we start a, an outreach this Saturday or whatever. No, we're already speaking to people. We're already engaged with people. But what we need to do is we need to bring in the grace, that acceptance, that love, that con- but, but be honest about where they are and what they need to reconcile them with God and, and, and how they're trapped in their sin and, and where the end of that road is. And that's how we really introduce Jesus with, with that grace and that salt. And I mean, one of the tools we had was Jesus at the door. Why I love this tool is because it's centered on Christ. It's about whether people will reject or receive the person of Christ. And it does it by introducing that um, grace as well as that salt. So those are the three elements we have today is, is looking at our prayer life, our, our actions, as well as our words. And the combination of these things are the way, you know, as we follow Jesus' example, we we transform our world and all of these things, to some degree, we're doing anyway. So it, it might be just a tweaking, but I believe God wants to grow us in this. And you might be saying this morning, well, I don't know if I can do this. I've tried to do it, but I've I've always fallen short or not been able to do it. But You remember when we said we're meant to continue the ministry of Jesus through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave to us because he said, it's better if I go away and I'll give you a helper, one to help you. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us, but also we get baptized in his power to help us with this task. And you talk about prayer, our prayer life with the Holy Spirit when we don't know what we ought to pray. He leads us and He guides us in prayer. The gift of tongues builds us up and edifies us 
So we feel like praying and, and feel inspired to pray. And he leads us when we don't know at all what to pray. With our, with our actions, the Holy Spirit is there producing the fruit, of spirit, spirit, uh, <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He's shedding the love of God abroad in our hearts. And he's also occasionally nudging us to do acts of love towards people and to let things go and to forgive people and demonstrate God's love to every person. And then, of course, with our words, it's so significant that one of the most learned, most skilled theologians of all time, the Apostle Paul, said that he didn't do his preaching with uh, persuasive words or wise words, but he did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we bring in grace and we bring in salt, the Holy Spirit is going to cut people to the heart and he's going to convict them and bring them into a relationship with him. So I want to pray for us this morning as you listen to this message. I don't believe that anyone wants their life just to, just to be overcoming things in life. We all want our lives to transform this world, which so desperately needs it right now. We all feel that sense of purpose. And all it's about is really surrendering to the Holy Spirit and following Jesus' example that we see in the scriptures. And I want to pray for us this morning. Won't you pray with me? where we ask the Lord to help us with this and that in all these areas, with our prayer life, our actions and our words, we will follow Jesus and continue his mission and see this world changed. So I want to pray for us. Won't you bow your heads with me? I thank you so much, Lord, for this guidance in your word that we, we have the great privilege of being a part of your mission. And I thank you that we continue it and we, we thank you that you would even think to include us. It's so awesome. And I thank you for the amazing Holy Spirit um, that you have come along to aid us and assist us with this mission. And I thank you that we want to come in line with your example, Jesus, with our prayer life, with our actions, and with our words. And I thank you that, you know, as a church, we can really join together behind this continuation of, the, of your ministry and really encourage one another spur one another on to love and good works to complete the mission that you started. So I just thank you for that, Lord, and I thank you for the awesome time we can spend with you this morning. In Jesus' name.